all bad things. Tragedy. Tragedies, disasters. That's bad things. Trigger warning for everything possible. What? I'm Rachel. I'm David. And this is All Bad Things. <laughs> Welcome, everybody. Welcome. <laughs> Follow us into Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, TikTok, and Twitch at All Bad Things Pod. Email us allbadthingspod at gmail.com. Join our Facebook discussion group and our Discord. Do all of those things. <laughs> Happy Labor Day. Yes. Cheers. Yeah, cheers. Yes. We are, um, we are laborers. We are labor. <laughs> uh, get yourself a union job if you can. Yeah. There's ne- not many of them out there. Never had I'm one. I'm one of the lucky few. <laughs> never. I don't even know anybody, but I don't think besides... Well, no, I know a couple of teachers. Mm-hmm. I know like three people in my life that have a union job. <laughs> or had a union or job. Or had a union job, yeah. <laughs> Two being your parents, right? <laughs> no, your dad So that makes in... it five, yeah. So. <laughs> your dad went into management at one point. He though. did. Mm-hmm. But he before that, when, yeah, he was he was a, in... when he was a simple laborer. Yes. And those union guys came in, and they decided to do everything for the worker that they could. How dare they? I, yeah. <laughs> Selfish and greedy. Not like the board. No. No, 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 no. <laughs> Yep. Uh, been, been seeing those arguments on Twitter the last because Labor Day is tomorrow. Uh-huh. We're recording this on Sunday, right? Mm-hmm. So, and the past year, I mean, Labor's unions had a moment. Yeah, mm-hmm. have won. Somebody tweeted they've won like six hundred and twenty-six vote or uh, have created yes. six hundred twenty-six different unions or yes. chapters. Yeah, and uh, which is the most in, in like. 50 years or something like yeah. that. So And uh, all the companies have been engaging in some really horrific union busting oh, shit. Yeah. And then you have all the people being like, it's just going to make things cost more, which it will. That's not an illegitimate argument. Yes. It does make things cost a little bit more. Tax the rich. Solve yeah. the problem. You can do that. And you can cap, you know, any, anyway. Mm-hmm. But if you're somebody falling for the, it's, it is going to cost a little bit more money. But... That little bit more money is going to make a lot of people's lives easier, and then it'll. And and if if most people have a labor job, then you don't mind paying that money extra because you're getting the benefits of it anyway. Well, and and just remember who's telling you to get angry at who. It's all the one percenters telling the rest of us. Because yes. if we're pitted against each other, mm-hmm. all we have as far as power goes is collective. Yep. That's all we have. None of us have single power like. An Elon Musk or a Jeff Bezos or anything like that. You can't walk in... If you're an Amazon employee, Mm -hmm. unless you're at two particular factories, but Mm -hmm. you can't walk into management's office and demand something. Mm -hmm. They will literally... They'll either fire you or... Uh, Probably, mostly, yeah. Laugh at you and Uh then fire you. Yeah. (laughs) Right? Yeah. Oh, and just a little... um, Just in case somebody doesn't know... You have the legally protected right in the United States to discuss wages with your coworkers. Yes, period. Sir. End of story. That is protected, and you can report any reports to the contrary to the Department of Labor because it is literally a legal right. Because if you're being told, like, don't talk about your salary. You know why. Which I have been told before, mm-hmm. once before, but when I was told that, I was like 24 and it didn't really matter to me anyway. Yeah. I didn't realize the... Mm-hmm. Yeah, what he was actually telling me until I got older. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, it's like, well, if you're not being a, a shady motherfucker, then, you know, that's what's... That's right. Because that's, that's the stem... Yes. ...of that demand. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because <laughs> yeah, you don't want anyone to know... Yeah. ...how you're screwing everybody behind their back. Mm-hmm. Exactly. What are we drinking today? <laughs> we are drinking in celebration of week one of the L- uh, L- LFL. LFL. The NFL. Laughing the Football League. Yes. Hey, the, the Bills have been that many times. <laughs> so fall is coming. It's not technically fall yet, no. but it's a couple weeks away. Mm-hmm. So we are having uh, some Deep River pumpkin pie porters. Yes, it is pumpkin beer season. It is. They're starting to get all over the place. They're not yes. all They're not all out yet. No, but they're getting A there. lot of them are, though. I'd it's say hard when it's still them. almost 90 degrees out. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> It's more of like, oh, I'll have one at night, because yes, at night uh-huh. it's starting to get a little, a little cooler. Bit, a little bit cooler. But uh, mm-hmm. yes, the Buffalo Bills are going 
They're going all the way this year? No, they're not. They are. Or and, if they uh, do, they'll lose in the no, Super Bowl. No, what no. I, what I mean by going all the way this year is that they'll win the Super Bowl. This is No, they're not They're yeah, not going to. They, they will. Nope. But uh, that aside. There's our predictions. <laughs> <laughs> that aside, that is what we are drinking. Mm. So we what? Should, should we make a bet? If you want, yeah. But what should we bet? I don't know because I mean, we we'll both, come up we, with something. We shared income, so that like, <laughs> like it's not it's gonna stay within the household either way. It is. <laughs> well, <laughs> so that's yeah. We'll consider it. We'll uh, if the Buffalo Bills it. win, you have to get a new car. That's I'm calling it right there. I don't have the money to do that right now. Doesn't matter. Okay. <laughs> So I'm willing to say this. I'm willing to say this. If the car market is cooled down, because mm-hmm. I'm not going to go buying a, a new yeah, car. Yeah, right now is, not the, right now is a, no. the, one of the worst times ever. If it becomes a good time mm-hmm. to buy a car mm-hmm. and the Bills win the Super Bowl, okay. I will get a new car next year. Yeah, yeah because I, otherwise I guess, I'm, I'm I planning can... on holding on to White Lightning for like two to three more years. I know you do. So. You plan on... No, what you really plan on is holding on to him for another 10 years, but I'm really not going to allow that. <laughs> well. <laughs> I, I just won't. I'm giving you an ultimatum. He's got three years max. Okay. Max. Okay. I'm which sorry. which means that's the end of my tolerance. <laughs> <laughs> my preference is like tomorrow. I <laughs> gotcha. But like you said, bad time to buy a new car. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Or any car. Any car. Yeah. yeah, used ones too. I could probably get like the best deal selling white lightning at this point that's actually true there we go so we'll go go get that done tomorrow no 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 no. (laughs) all right we actually do a a disaster podcast we do (laughs) so this may be a topic that has the best name of any disaster that we've ever done i don't know we've had some fun names like what uh, well, I mean, Woodstock '99—that's oh. a fun name. <laughs> the um, the other soda pop fest. Yeah, the yeah, uh, the Bulls, Bulls Bull, the Bull Island pop rock yeah, soda fest soda, soda or something. Pop yeah. <laughs> uh, what else? Uh, the, I mean, there've been okay. we've we've done a lot. Yeah, we're just not gonna yeah, remember them off the top well, of our head. Somebody, our audience will re- will remember them for us. <laughs> Well, our listener, Eric, suggested this topic, and uh, I don't think I would have known of it otherwise, but this is the story of Typhoon Cobra. That sounds really fucking scary. Yeah, doesn't it? That doesn't sound fun. No. Yeah. The title is fun. <laughs> no. Like, oh, that, that, oh, sounds, oh. that sounds scary. Cool. Well, the title's cool. Yeah, it is. Yeah. If you were a typhoon, you'd want to be named Cobra, right? That is like, true. Like, that'd be pretty great. That is true. Anyway. On December 18th, 1944, a tropical cyclone in the Philippine Sea hit the United States Pacific Third Fleet. I was just going to say, this is the middle of World War II. Sinking three destroyers. Jesus Christ. Damaging nine warships and many aircraft. Actually, it's more than nine. I, I got that wrong in the beginning. And killing 790 U.S. sailors. Yeah, I can believe all those things. In what remains the worst natural disaster in U.S. Navy history. No shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you don't think of that, but obviously they're out in the it middle of the fucking ocean. all the time, apparently. Yeah. Remember we were watching that, that YouTube thing of, like, the top five worst hurricanes that somebody sailed? Mm-hmm. Like, three of those were from, like, Navy vessels. Y- yeah. And you're mm-hmm. looking at that and you're like... Imagine being a wooden yes. ship 600 yes. years. Like. Right? And they would have had no idea it was coming. No. Like, none. No clue. And no way to look at yeah. it. And they would have, like, tried, like, black, whatever, to make it go away before they took oh, off. Oh, like black magic yeah, or something. Something. <laughs> something. No wonder people way back, ancient people believed in gods and started up that kind of whole myth- mythos, right? Yeah. <laughs> So primary sources were Britannica, History.com, Mighty90, Taskforce58.org, and Wikipedia. So, very quickly, up at the top, gonna clarify a typhoon, hurricane, tropical cyclone, all the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so a typhoon, we've done, yep. mm-hmm, a typhoon is just what they call it sometimes in the Pacific. Sure. That's, that's all. 
It's so like, it's like in The Walking Dead, like different factions called the Walkers different things. Oh, yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. Well, because it ind- they independently came up with the mm-hmm. names, yeah. Uh, so since we know about what caused this disaster, we've talked about hurricanes and cy- oh, cyclones yeah. and typhoons and such. Um, I believe we've done uh, one of each. Yes, At I least think one so. Of each. So we're going to dig in history-wise in the context of where and when this happened. So what pops out at you about this date, December 18th, 1944? So we're talking the very end of 1944. Uh, is this when FDR dies, maybe? No, not a specific event. Uh, okay. I guess it just popped out to me that, like, eight months and this war is over. Yep. Not yeah, that they knew it then. Close, yeah. yeah. We're on D-Day plus, let's see, D-Day happened in uh, June. Okay, of 44. Yeah, mm-hmm. so we're on, like, six months. Yeah. What, what is mm-hmm. the date again? December 18th. Oh, mm-hmm. so, yeah, yeah, we're a little over seven months into D-Day. Yep. Um, and VE Day was, like, in May of the following year. I think so, And VJ yeah. Day was because, in yeah, August. Because, yeah, the fall of Japan didn't happen too much longer no, after like that. Two months. or three months. Yeah. Although, effectively, things were going pretty poorly even at this point, which we're gonna find out about. So, uh... And I was... And when you, as soon as you said what this was about, I'm like, there were definitely U.S. servicemen in the Philippines at oh, this yes. time. That's... <laughs> oh, yes. So, uh, this is eight months before... The war in the Pacific was over. Yeah. And this all happened mm-hmm. in... Well, it happened in the Philippine Sea, which is to the west of... It's part of the Pacific, essentially. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just a different name for a portion of it. All the same big body of water, right? Um, so we are going to set the stage for the Pacific involvement of World War II. Because, mm-hmm. frankly, I have a little more knowledge about... I don't have tons of knowledge about World War II, but I have more on the European side than the... Than the, the, gr- the ground war is what gets all the movies yes. made and stuff mm-hmm. like that. The Pacific, the the Ocean War. Mm-hmm. There's some movies here and there. Uh, Band of Brothers actually did. Band of Brothers was it's about like a, a mini series, right? It was it was about paratroopers. Um, mm-hmm. But then they did uh, the Pacific, mm-hmm. which was it was still like the same production company, mm-hmm. all that stuff. But it was on the Pacific theater of the war, which doesn't get the. It doesn't have the same amount of attention because no. it's not the Nazis, right? The Nazis that like get true. all the attention. Correct. I mean that's that's part <laughs> of the know? reason. You know? Yeah, and because it's all it's all the way out the fucking sea, where the only people that were there to see it were all the way in the middle of the fucking ocean. You know, in a ground war, you're dealing with millions of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, in a you know in a uh, when you're talking about gunboats, you're dealing with thousands of people. And it's also in Asia, which. Americans are going to look at... the world at, at this time, like, we didn't even really know about. Well, Americans are going to look at Europeans at this point and think, they look like us, we have heritage from well, that. Well, they are us. We are them. Yes, exactly. I mean, well, white people, yes. Yeah. But then you look at Asian people and, oh, they're the other. Japanese internment, anybody? Which we... I was uh, just I was just going to say... Like, which we discussed earlier today. Didn't, didn't want to bring it up, but I, I, feel, I feel like I have to, like... Um, th- and this is a great statistic if you're a racist. Like, <laughs> people were as, I think, even more racist towards Japanese people mm. at that time than they were towards black people, which... Well, because they... Talk, but talk about the era we're in. Yeah, I and know. And somebody was hated more than black people. I know. Like, that's, that's, that's kind of ugh. an achievement. It's like... Well, Americans have no sense of proportion. Uh, like, remember post-9-11... Uh, some French person made fun of 9-11 or something, and so now we hated French people for a while? I don't think that's what it was. No. Uh, what the, was it? No, the whole um, Freedom Prize thing had yeah. to deal with uh, France uh, would not send troops into Iraq. That's what it that's So what they were, France was smart. Yes. And we're like, well, we're, we're dumb, like, well, so we hate we're like, you. We're like, well, it's Freedom Prize from yeah. now on. So we don't do well. <laughs> With such things. So, of course... They're like, they're like, we even got Denmark to come with us. Yeah. I, right. I honestly don't know if that's true. I'm just throwing... It was like a 39-country... Packed. Packed, mm-hmm. but, like, all but, like, two of them were, like, countries nobody had ever heard yeah. of. <laughs> like, Palau... Actually, I'm not even joking. I think Palau, which has come up in... A yes, previous, uh-huh. I think Palau was... The islands of uh-huh. Palau were one of our allies. I think allies. we mentioned that in here. Oh, do we? Okay. I think so. Yes, they become an ally in the... Uh, our second attempt at fucking up Iraq. Oh, great. Um, so, yeah. Uh, so, the major Allied powers calling the shots in the Pacific were Britain, China, and the U.S. Sure. 
allied powers, right? I know. It is, it is weird to hear China. I know. As an allied oh, power. Oh, Japan was very much at war in China. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, they were not the only ones involved. They fought alongside no. plenty of other allies like Australia, Burma, Canada, Fiji, this was Malaysia, New Zealand, and Tonga. Yeah, this is legitimately a world war. Yes, yes, yes. And of course, it being in the Pacific, Pacific nations were very involved. Um, as for whom they were fighting against, yeah, I'm sure they got it was Japan. Dicey. Yeah, well, that's it true. It was Japan. Yeah. <laughs> Japan was the empire of Japan. And was doing its best to uh, be more empirical, mm-hmm. just like Britain, just like the, <laughs> just United, like the States. United States, just like France, just like you Germany. Know. Yes, especially Germany at that time. Yeah. So Japan had identified some enemies that they were contemplating military action against long before World War II. In fact, before World War One, specifically in 1907. Japanese military leaders identified three countries that they were considering uh, as hypothetical war targets to expand the the empire. Can I guess? Yeah. Uh, I'm going to guess one of them is is China. Nope. Really? Not at this Um, point. uh, Well, it wasn't the Soviet Union, but Russia? Yes, Russia. Um, I'm trying to think of what... uh, Australia? No. Don't think proximity... Think who has oh, wow. territories in the Pacific. Oh, my God. So many. Oh, well, Britain, France, maybe. I France. Mean, okay. Yes. Yeah. France, very much so. Uh, at that time, did Germany? Not so no. many. But then here's the other thing. Who just has their fucking fingers and everything? Oh, us. The yes. United States. Yep. So that, France, well, that, Russia, and the United States. But even at that time, like, not not even close to what would happen post-World War II. Like, our fingers are kind of, like, we're, we're just, like, in the beginning oh, stage no. of imperialism. Oh, no, at the time, yes. it's a lot. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, I'm kind of surprised we were a target all the way back then. Oh, yeah. So, well, we've been fuckers for a long time back. Yeah. This, this is mm-hmm. a bit of a different era at this... Isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yes, France and the United States specifically had a lot of colonial power. In the Pacific Islands. So did, uh, I mean, so at this time, so did uh, the UK. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And Germany, Germany at this time is also, they're just getting started. Mm-hmm. They're like... This is just the, like, the hey, eve of World War they're like, they're like, hey, like, we're smart. We can get territories yeah. too. Mm-hmm. So while this plan stayed in place, uh, nothing really happened action-wise on Japan's part, we're not talking World War One, right? That's Correct. a whole other thing. Yes, that was not yes. fought in the Pacific Theater. No, it was not, not as part of that. There were other conflicts going on, but um, but the next time the plan was revised wasn't until almost three decades later, in 1936, when Japan dropped France from the enemy list and picked up China and Great Britain. Okay. Again, Britain yeah, I was, gonna say was Chi- a colonial I know, power. I know China definitely becomes. Yeah. Yeah. Now, despite the fact that they now had four... And by the way, I just played a video game where that rival- rivalry right. between China and Japan goes... Way back. Way back. Mm-hmm. Like thousands of years back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, they had four target countries, but they weren't actually looking to launch attacks on all of them. They wanted to pick one. These were just the four possible targets. Um, for example, it would make sense for the Japanese arm. Oh, sorry. So uh, they developed strat- strat- strategies surrounding how they would attack each enemy. For example, you want to attack China ground troops. This is how we do it. If you want to attack these people, we got to do it this way. But if you want to attack the U.S., you got to go across an ocean. you got to do it through the Navy. Air. It's Navy time. Um... So, and it would likely take place in the Pacific itself. It would be a battle by sea. So, as, and yes, aircraft, but like through aircraft carriers and stuff. Yeah, and which didn't really exist at this time. Oh, they, yeah, they, they did. Were, in the, they were, no, in, in World their, War II, they absolutely did. But absolutely in their infancy. They were brand new for this war. Okay, but they were yeah. still good. Yeah. They were well de- quickly developed. This wasn't like That's an true. evolution of that the aircraft true. carrier. So as things heated up in the Western Front of World War II in the the 30s, the Japanese Navy was looking a lot more seriously at their battle plan against the U.S. They were preparing for a gun-powered war. 
They were bolstering and training their crew for a war fought with battleships and aircraft launched from aircraft carriers. And their calculations posited that they could intercept and decimate about 30% of the U.S. naval power before the ships could reach the waters of the Western Pacific. It's pretty devastating. It is, but then they're like, okay, so if we can take care of 30% before they even get here, we have to be able to match 70% of the U.S. naval power. So that was their, like, goal, mm-hmm. their, their bolstering goal or their building goal. So the problem was, back in the early 20s, the U.S. had called for an end to the naval arms race that was taking place at the time in the Pacific. And it was a race very closely linked, again, of course, to colonization. In 1921 and 1922, a series of treaties and pacts were signed between various combinations of the United States, Japan, France, Great Britain, and Italy. This is also at a time where... All these countries are recovering from World War yes, One, uh-huh. and there, there's some easy pickings out there. Well, yeah, like, yeah, yes, and they're yeah. reconfiguring world powers, yep. right? And and world strategies mm-hmm. and allies and enemies and yeah, such. the end, the, the the new world order is going to get a whole new look. Yes, uh huh, exactly. So one of the treaties in this series enforced a limitation on the Japanese naval forces to sixty percent of what the U.S. had. So they're here doing their math. They're like, we have to. We have to match them at 70%. We're capped at 60%. So now in 1934, the Japan's like, hey, so U.S., here's the thing. We're going to withdraw from that treaty. Mm. We're just going to, we decided not to re-up this here. It's going to be the Homer Simpson meme back in yes. the <laughs> and, and to be fair, they gave actually very very much a head warning they didn't actually like let the treaty expire until the end of 1936 but then it did so now they could start building their forces um so by the end of the 30s japan was taking full advantage of the freedom from these limitations they were preparing for war especially after they aligned themselves with the axis powers of the world war already in full force in europe so they're like we know our friends across are not friends across the water mm-hmm. are on the other side. Uh, so we're going to we're going to we're going to hitch our wagon to these guys. Instead. Yeah. So in the meantime, one longtime Japanese military leader, the commander in chief of the combined fleet, Yamamoto Isoroku, was gunning for a war with the United States, which was a sentiment that was not necessarily shared with other leaders in the Japanese Navy. But he had an idea. He's like. You know what's going to do it? A surprise attack on the U.S. Navy, designed to disable the states from being able to continue their imperial advance. So he sat on this idea, still an unpopular one, for a while as ground troops were spreading into what was then called French Indochina, mm-hmm. which is now Vietnam, Laos, and Cambodia. Yeah. Now this move triggered a U.S. embargo on exports of oil and oil products to Japan, along with freezing Japanese overseas assets. So Isoroku was like, ah, so is my plan sounding a little better to you all now? You know, now that they're taking action against us, is it maybe time for us to consider this fun little surprise attack? So in late September of 1941, the bosses were finally like, all right. We'll include your little surprise attack in our overall strategy. Of course, that attack. (laughs) So now you know the name behind it. Yamamoto Isoroku Mm -hmm. was Pearl Harbor. The Mm -hmm. attack on Pearl Harbor on Sunday, December 7th, 1941, which is what triggered the full-fledged involvement of the United States in World War II. Full-fledged being the key words. Yes. Because it's not like we weren't involved in World Mm -mm. War II. Because we'd sent special forces and stuff over there. But it was lots of sanctions and stuff yes. like that. Think, yes. But we were not sending troops and troops mm. and bombs and bombs. We and weren't sending divisions and shit yeah. over. Mm-hmm. But after that, it was like okay. Mm-hmm. Now. Mm-hmm. And that I mean I can only imagine like what that must have because there at that time there was such a division in the United States of whether or not to even get involved. Yep. Because it was just like, man, we like we'd gone through World War One for even just a year and lost like hundred and twenty thousand soldiers, something ridiculous well, so like that. Well, so here's the thing: 
The reason, one of the reasons the Japanese were planning this surprise attack on attack on the U.S. was that division. Mm-hmm. They're like, sure, you know, we can kind of get them while they're vulnerable. Right. They're divided, so we can sort of split them on this. But or take know, advantage but, of this split. But you've got to know the outcome of that is going to be they're going to be all in from here they on out. They misjudged that. I don't see how you could have. I mean, Apparently, that's... they did. Yeah. It was a misjudgment. And they were wrong. The U.S. got very much behind, yeah. popularly behind, the World War II involvement, or the involvement of the U.S. troops in America, or... U.S. Yeah. troops in World War II. There we go. And by the way, this is also... Uh, and this is, you know, not disrespecting any wars that came after this because we've pretty much perpetually been at war yeah. since World War II. Like, I'm not even joking. Mm-hmm. No, I know. But World War II, like, we were actually fighting for our freedom. Like, that that wasn't, yes, that no, wasn't bullshit. There was a literal fascist <laughs> taking over <laughs> yes. the world. And they had, and yeah. we learned later on that some of them had already made it over here. Yeah. In, like, little infiltrations and shit like that. And it's just like, no, this was real. Do you like, know my parents had never heard of Operation Paperclip? I told them about it. I mean, why? How would they? They're yeah. not political. You know, no, they're, they're not. not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they probably wouldn't have. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I only heard about it like three or four years ago. Yeah. All right. So, so the U.S. is striking back, and yeah. when the U.S. strikes, it it ain't good for I anybody. I honestly don't see how you could make that misjudgment, but okay. Apparently, that's yeah. what happened. That's what I read. Yeah. People are saying. Yeah. So, uh. <laughs> So now we're going to talk about some key battles. So the Battle of the Coral Sea in May of 1942 resulted in the retreat of Japanese invaders heading towards New Guinea. Then, more dramatically, the Battle of Midway resulted in the death of around 3,000 Japanese troops and a win for the Allies. Uh, Then, later that year, the six-month-long Battle of Guadalcanal Was yet another setback for Japan. That's how that um, that's how that series, The Pacific, opens up with that battle. Hmm. Like they, the the first episode is everybody going through the training stuff mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. But that's how that's I'm, yeah, I'm positive that's where it starts because I was like I'd never heard of it until I watched that. Gotcha. Well, the U.S. saw some major that's casualties. That, yes, they did. Sixteen hundred and killed in battle. Yep. Thousands, uh, thousands more killed by tropical diseases yep. like malaria. Um, and 4,200 injured, but the Japanese death toll was 24,000 troops. And this was also at a time where they were into uh, the bonsai, where, like, when you went to war, you were going to die. Like, that's what you signed up for. And kamikazes. Yep. Well, we're going to get into that a little yeah. bit. So not long after the end of Guadalcanal, uh, in April of 1943, Isoroku, Yamamoto Isoroku, the mastermind of Pearl Harbor... His plane was shot down over Papua New Guinea, killing him. So mm, he yeah. died in the war that he started. Help, well, that he certainly... Egged on. Yes. <laughs> to say the least. Expanded. Yeah. Well, I mean, hey, he mm-hmm. died a soldier's death, yeah. so... So during the long battle of Guadalcanal, uh, U.S. naval leadership in the Pacific went through a transition. The naval commander of the South Pacific area until that time was Vice Admiral Robert L. Gormley. But during the early stages of Guadalcanal, Gormley's performance was called into question, like seriously, by the upper-ups. So in October 1942, he was replaced by William Bull Halsey, who was promoted to admiral due to his leadership as the new commander of the South Pacific area. Have you ever heard of Admiral Halsey? Mm-mm. So I have. <laughs> because Paul McCartney did a song. Oh, okay. There's, I was going to say there's going to be a link somewhere. It's called Uncle Albert Admiral Halsey. Okay. And hands across the water. water you know what? Uh, Paul McCartney was born during this time. Yes. Yes. <laughs> he was born in 43, I'm pretty yeah. sure. Mm-hmm. So uh, Admiral Halsey. Da, 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 da. So I know the name. Admiral Halsey, but um, that's who he was referring to. Anyway, Halsey was a lifer, Navy man, as I imagine most leadership in World War II, or actually in the Navy period is. Uh, He graduated from the U.S. Naval Academy in Annapolis almost 40 years before this. So he is a lifer. 
By September 1943, things were not going well for Japan in the war. Like, they actually never really, things did not swing Japan's way, kind of at any point. Almost at all. They hung in a really long time for considering how not well things were going. At the very end, it was just like, okay, we're going to dig in and you come and get us. And they were like, well, we designed two bombs specifically for this scenario. Yeah. That weren't necessary. But we'll, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll move on. Um, uh, but as we know, there would be no VJ Day for almost two more years. So instead, Japan overhauled their strategy and worked to set up a new defense perimeter. And while the Allied ground offensive made s- strides throughout 1944, thanks in no small part to one Douglas MacArthur, yep, uh, the Navy made advances in the Marshall and Mariana Island and invaded Guam in the Philippines. So now, all of that information is to give context to where and when this story mm-hmm, takes place. Sure. So it's late. Wait, ni- wait, Guam is still a uh, territory. US territory. Of ours. Mm-hmm. Yep. So it's late 1944. The notorious Battle of Iwo Jima is still two months away. Wow. It's going to be in February 40. That was really the only. Uh, that was really the only direct attack we made on Japan. I mean, it didn't work. Didn't no, work. that no, that's actually not true. There were uh, bombings and such. No, no, no. From... I'm talking about with ground forces. Oh, I gotcha. Okay. Um, and it didn't really work out well for either side. And it was like, okay, mm. that thing we made. Now's the time. Yeah. But we put the little flag up and everything. Uh, <sighs> I mean, I, 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 I mean, you don't want to be in any war, but Jesus Christ. Yeah. I mean, the, yeah, like, it's brand new technology mm-hmm. with still, and the, like, the battle tactics had kind of caught up a little bit because of World War One. Mm-hmm. but the tactics against the technology are still at such a yeah. disparate rate. Like, it's just like you were sending people into a fucking slaughterhouse, yeah. you know, so no thanks. So while the Allies are still making great strides against Japan in the Pacific Theater, there's still plenty of conflict going on in the area. So in the summer of 1944, U.S. naval leadership was reorganized because the South Pacific area was no longer considered an active theater. So as a result, Admiral Halsey was no longer needed needed as its commander. Kind of forgot it, but that's kind of true. We Mm -hmm. kind of wrapped up that. It moved up to Japan proper. Mm -hmm. We kind of wrapped up that part of the. Not 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 fully. And we're talking South Pacific. We're not talking like Northern Mm -hmm. Philippines, that sort of area or whatever. So uh, Admiral Halsey didn't have to because there was no more South Pacific area. So he went back to his original assignment of the United States Third Fleet. Um, That's where he was before his transfer to South Pacific area. So the U.S. Navy has had 12 numbered fleets over the years. Also, um, the numbers change sometimes, like the third became the fifth, and then anyway. Um, Seven fleets are currently active. And now I understand what Fleet Week is, because clearly it's a whole fleet of Navy ships docking at one port. That would be my guess. (laughs) So the third fleet had been established during the war, just the year before in 1943, uh, with Halsey at the helm uh, as the major, they were the major naval muscle in the Pacific theater. So in late 1944, the fleet was active in the campaigns in the Palau islands and the Philippines. You mentioned Palau. Mm -hmm. So when I say fleet, it just means a bunch of ships, right? Uh, specific, but not just a bunch. A, <laughs> a specific, a specific number and designation. Now, specifically in December 1944, the Third Fleet had eight battleships, six light aircraft carriers, 15 cruisers, seven fleet aircraft carriers, and about 50 destroyers. Yeah, uh, one That's of the lot. one of the more underrated World War II movies was still, I think, one of the best of that era of that um, talking about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, war was uh, Letters from Iwo Jima, uh-huh. which was a Clint Eastwood movie, right? Which was a sister movie to, mm-hmm. but anyway, but the main character at some point he develops like a, um, uh, like a disease. Di- yes, but I'm trying to think of anyway. Okay, he has to go outside and like, and, like go to the bathroom because they built all these underneath caves. Okay, 
So he goes outside to, you know, go leave himself, mm-hmm. and he looks out, and, like, the whole fucking... is just there, all of a sudden. And they weren't they weren't there the, the whole, day... The whole, what, fleet? Yes. Ships? Yes. Okay. I was like, planes, ground troops? No, like, I don't know what you're... <laughs> like, all of it. Okay. <laughs> and, there's, and they weren't there, like, even, like, six hours ago. Gotcha. And it's just like, holy shit. Yeah. And just to see that, you would be like, oh, fuck. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I had to break down what these ships were for myself. So battleships are, like, exactly what I picture when I think of a warship. Yeah. Uh, Guns on deck sort of place. The light air... They're aircraft carriers, fleet aircraft carriers, and light aircraft carriers. Light ones are just smaller, not designed to... And and aircraft carriers are literally, like, floating runways. Yep. So... Um, Then there are cruisers. That was a little harder to pin down. It seems like they're pretty big ships. They act as, like, a floating battery, they sure. carry weaponry. Some had machine gun turrets, apparently, too, for aircraft, to shoot mm-hmm. down aircraft. And then destroyers are fast ships meant to, like, charge the fleet. They're the front soldier, front lines. There are the other ships that have, like, their name means what they do. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so the fleet was taking part in a mission called Operation Love 3. So the objective of the mission was to invade the island of Mindoro, a Philippine island directly due south of the island of Luzon, which is where Manila is currently located, just for context. It was a coordinated effort of sea, air, and land, including General MacArthur's men, and Task Group 38.2, which were ships from within the Third Fleet. So as the troops approached Mindoro on December 13, 1944, they received a surprise attack from the notorious Japanese kamikaze bombers resulting in 131 casualties and almost 200 injuries. Reinforcements were called in, including additional aircraft carriers from the 3rd Fleet, and the aircraft uh, that they carried kept Japanese planes grounded. So that helped protect the forces at sea and allowed them to advance. So after three days of fighting, it was time for the 3rd Fleet to refuel. And Admiral Halsey planned for the fleet to retreat east, into the Pacific to meet up with an oiler. And refueling was kind of a tricky proposition. They didn't want to go too far away because mm-hmm. they would waste all their oil getting back and time and everything else. And in getting there. Exactly. Um, so, But you didn't want to refuel in a war zone. No. So because you had that, to be really strategic. Be, that would be one of the first targets that anybody would yes, have. Yes, sitting ducks. Yep. So they had to be really strategic about where they were going to refuel. So, um, little did any of the men on board the ships know that they were withdrawing from one form of danger to meet another form of danger. So on December 16th, 1944, as the Third Fleet planned their retreat to refuel, what was described as a tropical disturbance was observed in the Philippine Sea, a little northeast of the Ulithi Atoll, or Atoll, uh, which is in modern-day Micronesia. It's about halfway between like Guam and Palau. we're talking about? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, the, the atoll. There's the island chain around there, too. You, think. You're thinking the Bikini Atoll, probably. We talked about oh, the Bikini yeah, okay. Atoll. An atoll is just like a string of uh, little bits of island um, around a crater lake or lagoon. Oh, okay, that's right. Yeah. it. The pictures of Ulithi Atoll look just like the pictures of Bikini Atoll. Sure. So... Um, now back in 1944, obviously technology, not what it is today, especially in weather forecasting, satellites were not a thing until the next no, decade. No, they didn't even exist. <laughs> nope. Sputnik. Ra- radar, radar is brand new. Yeah. This time. Yep. At this point, pretty much it's radio and witness yeah. and aircraft. Yeah. That, that can find it. But for anything. the time, it was just like, this is amazing. Like, look at this shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the ability to observe and track this disturbance was limited, to say the absolute least. Regardless, an Air Force reconnaissance plane was sent to spot and track the storm, which it did. It estimated the wind speeds in this so-called disturbance to be around 160 Jesus miles per Christ. hour. Christ. <laughs> or 260 kilometers per hour, making it a modern-day Category 5 hurricane. I was just going to say, isn't a Category 5 like 157 and above. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I thought it was like 200 and above. No, that's the proposed Category 6. <laughs> yeah. 
So, Jesus. as we know, predicting a hurricane's path <clears throat> is incredibly difficult yeah. today. Think of the spaghetti. Uh, well, and apparently Trump can just draw his own he path, can. you know. He can. Yeah. <laughs> Good God. Again, like oh something else that would have gotten any other president, like, ousted. Oh, Jesus And people Christ. don't even remember that. That man. <laughs> oh, my God. So. Uh, it was like, here, because I said so before and I was wrong. But I can't admit that I was wrong. Mm-hmm. I'm going to draw on this official map. Yep. <laughs> Scare the shit out of... Everybody in that town <laughs> that it's going right through, yeah. Uh, all, all those people that voted for me because I love them so much. Exactly. <laughs> See, it's going to jog around Mar-a-Lago right. and then come back right. down. Come right back. So, so, of course, they didn't, they didn't know for sure where this thing was going. They were doing their best with, like... I don't know, compasses and Probably. and pencil drawings on maps. Yeah. I, I don't even know. There Tun- were tuning forks. <laughs> there <right>. were <laughs> there were apparently meteorologists on these fleets. I don't doubt that there were. Right, of course, but there they was. they're working with limited information too. Yeah. So at, for the time, it was you know it was high tech. Right, this is the military. <laughs> So at this point, they thought that the, the so there was projections that the hurricane was heading north northwest, which would steer clear of the route of the third fleet. Um, but and also, well, here here's the other thing: this is the Pacific Ocean. Typhoons aren't new. The no. Navy is aware of them. They know this yeah. stuff. In fact, very dangerous typhoons were nothing new to anyone sailing in the Pacific. There are many stories of yeah. ships getting. Uh, think, in the middle of typhoons. I think of in the history of humanity since we first built a ship. Mm-hmm. Like how many of them are at the bottom, at the bottom of whatever right. body of water, lakes, well, rivers. Well, we'll find oceans. out soon when we run out of water on the yeah. earth. So. I mean, there's got to be. I would almost say like hundreds of thousands of ships at the bottom of yeah. any given ocean. Who knows? Who knows? So, by 8 a.m. local time the next morning, December 17th, the third fleet had met their oiler, and they were starting to refuel the ships. Um, also, because they're in, like, a, a holding pattern, right, because yeah. they're refueling, they were also um, transferring personnel and aircraft mm. between ships. Yeah. And the wind started kicking up, and that started causing some large waves. One sailor would later recall, quote, we had a hell of a time getting the lines over. The waves sure. were so high. And yeah. So conditions just kept deteriorating into the afternoon. At one point, a fuel line broke, and that almost caused the destroyer, the USS Maddox, to collide with its oiler. Like, things were getting really rough here. So at 12.51 p.m., Admiral Halsey said, okay, we're done. Stop refueling. Um, now, given the track of the typhoon... That was well. That was projected. It was supposed to be going mostly north. Halsey picked a location to the northwest to head to to attempt another refueling. So he's like, "We're going to pick another site. We're all going to go there, and we're going to refuel there because you still have to think they still needed fuel. Yep. So they couldn't just sit around or abandon the refueling. They these ships needed fuel. So, um, and of course he he had to pick another site. That, again, a good place to be, hopefully out of the track of the typhoon, but also out of the war zone. Yeah. So, the planes currently on deck were strapped down with cables as the fleet headed in a direction they thought was away from the storm. So, they were still inadvertently in the path of the typhoon. And, of course, weather conditions did not improve. By 3 p.m. that afternoon, the last pilots rendezvousing with the fleet from their air patrol had to ditch their aircraft in the ocean, eject, and get fished out of the water. Uh, fucking good luck with that. Well, they did. No, they did. It worked. That's fucking crazy. It's just, yeah, things are starting to get dicey. Yeah. So at this point, it became obvious that they're not getting out of the way of the storm like they meant to. And of course, these are dozens of ships with... All men, including a lot of higher-ups, there were a lot of opinions about what should be done. (laughs) You know, what the next thing to do was. But, of course, Halsey was the one calling the shots. So they concluded the new refueling rendezvous point um, was... that The rendezvous point that they were in, okay, we're in the direct path of the storm. We need to pick 
another spot. So at 3.33 p.m., Halsey picked a third refueling spot and ordered the fleet to head west. The fleet managed to initially outpace the storm, so things started looking better. Okay, things that's good. We're, we're more confident now that we're headed the right way. But they weren't just heading west. They were going to then head south. So at midnight on December 18th, the fleet continued their path to the new refueling spot by turning due south stalling their retreat from the storm and causing worsening conditions. So you can see the track in this image. Yeah, they're headed right into it. Yeah, they they were kind of headed away from it. But then by turning south, they were delaying mm -hmm. being and uh, getting out of the way and going right towards the center of the path. Within a couple of hours, it became pretty clear that the fleet was not going to make it to the third <laughs> refuel spot. Plan C wasn't going to be an option. <laughs> no. So Halsey made the decision to change the rendezvous point again. <laughs> what he did not do, and to be fair, could not do, given the technology of the time, was know that this decision put the third fleet directly into the path yeah. of Typhoon Cobra. So by 5 a.m. on December 18th, conditions were so bad that they finally had to scrap the entire refueling attempt. Uh, the fleet was ordered head due south, full steam, period. Just try and get, get out, out of this. Of it. Yeah, uh-huh. Now we're talking about dozens of ships. So they were actually spread out pretty widely. Sure. They weren't just like all near each other. So different ships ended up having very different experiences of this storm. For example, the USS Hancock actually ended up being pretty lucky. They experienced only uh like heavy rain. But for the unlucky ones, things got a whole lot worse, uh, as would be expected. 30-foot waves. and <laughs> Yes, when driving yeah. a ship through a hurricane, uh, water blew horizontally across Gosh. some of the ship's decks. Sailors started falling overboard. That yeah. was like one of the things that happened and immediately. They're, yeah. they're gone. Oh, yeah. Well, we'll find out. Aboard Jeez. the USS Monterey, aircraft on the deck broke through their cables and exploded. So fires actually ended up being sure. a, a bit of a problem. Uh, but despite the dire, dire situation aboard the Monterey, it was not the worst off. <laughs> this is just the start of it. Most of the sailors on the Monterey survived, including future President Gerald Ford. <laughs> oh, wow. Who okay. was aboard the Monterey. Sure. He was a 31. There's a, there's a couple future presidents in this war. Yeah, but he, as yeah. far as I know, he was the only one on board in yeah, this situation. Yeah. He was 31 years old, a Navy lieutenant. He would later recount the incident pretty unremarkably. He would say, yep, you know, I went, went up deck and it was pretty, <coughs> oh, bless you. Yeah, quick, quick little break for the sneeze attack. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yep. Uh, so he's he he didn't have much of a dramatic story to tell. Apparently, over the years, like the press built up the story a little bit. But even in his own memoir, he's like, no, it actually wasn't. Like I was fine. It wasn't terrible. It, it was okay. Like I said, they didn't get the worst of it. Um, other accounts were a lot more terrifying. One sailor wrote in a diary on December eighteenth, "quote The sea looks like mountains. No one can walk straight." End quote. Another sailor would later recount, quote, we had other typhoons that we went through, but nothing like the big one, end quote. So by 10 a.m., the entire third fleet had entered the thick of Typhoon Cobra. And it was at that point, it was like everyone's on their own in terms of the individual ships. There's no keeping anyone together. Every ship was its own island that had to try and do its best and take care of itself. Fires were a big problem on board, but some <laughs> it was also raining and the sea was coming up, so it actually helped extinguish some of the mm -hmm. fires. But it also swept some people overboard, so it's like a damned if you do, damned if you don't yeah. situation. Um, unfortunately, some of the ships were top heavy, started to oh, list. Sure. Of course, uh, three destroyers ended up sinking. Um, here is a picture of the USS Langley during the typhoon. It did not sink my god yeah that's gotta be fucking scary yeah shit. so eight hours later the fleet began to emerge from the storm so here's sort of the path and you can see that and they went right <laughs> into through it. the whole thing yeah yes. exactly like the entire time <laughs> yes. it was a typhoon they were in the middle of it 
Yes, by the time it was near them, yes. Uh-huh. Of course, like I said, they couldn't know that. No. Not with that day's technology, but... Unfortunately for Admiral Halsey, he had the task of figuring out where all the ships were, <laughs> which was no small task considering they were s- scattered across about 3,000 square miles. My God. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a, a lot, lot of ground to cover. <laughs> that's a lot of ground to cover in the Philippine Sea. So Halsey ordered a search for men overboard, but still had no way to figure out the scope of the damage to his fleet. And it took hours for the ships to begin reporting back to Halsey. In the wee hours of December 19th, he started getting various reports of various rescue missions between ships. Men who had managed to escape sinking ships on life rafts were picked out of the water. Other ships reported their own damage. They hadn't sunk or anything. Mm -hmm. While still piecing the fleet together, Halsey was also aware of the fact that the third fleet was still on a mission I was gonna to say, provide cover for Operation Love 3. There's still a war going <laughs> there's on. There's still a war going like, on. And no, if they don't get back to yeah. where they're supposed to, more people could die. Yeah, unfortunately, you can't call a timeout. No, no, <laughs> not even for something like this, right? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, of course, so, so he had to, he literally just just had to say, Whoever okay, we got. we're refueling, we're going back to Luzon. And that's what they did. Um... Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> in the end, it didn't much matter. They were still heading in the same direction as Typhoon Cobra. You are fucking kidding me. <laughs> now, apparently at this point, there's I didn't see reports of casualties. It's just they couldn't fight. Yeah. So they got back in time yeah, to provide com- air cover, but nobody was fighting. Completely disabled. They were washed out. They were all washed out yeah. on all sides. So... Nobody was fighting at that point. So the whole and, mission was halted. And if their whole mission is to provide support, that's... Mm-hmm. I mean, if you take that out of the scenario, that means the people that need the support are right. fucked. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So on December 21st, Admiral Halsey radioed General MacArthur, and he let him know, look, we can't f- provide you any more support for Operation Love 3. We are non-functional. Yep, we got to get out of here. And so that's what they did. They headed back out to the Philippine Sea, making one more sweep for survivors in the water. So the search and rescue efforts were not futile. Good. Even as late as the 21st, they found several survivors of the USS Monaghan and the USS Hall. These people had been adrift at sea for three days. Yeah. And this could have been like a USS Indianapolis In the middle situation. of a fucking war. Yes. Uh-huh. And so they actually managed to rescue 93 people. That's wow. In the water. Mm-hmm. Um, did I put this? I thought I put this in here. That's okay if you didn't. Oh, you there know. was a... Um... If there's a... Yeah, if there's just something you remember about it, then... Yeah, I'll see. Oh, yeah, here right, here we go. Here it is. Sorry, I thought it was earlier. Um, so the search was called off on December 22nd, and the fleet, the whole fleet, what was left of it, headed to the Ulithia Toll. So, so the destroyer escort USS Taberer was like the most successful rescue ship in the whole operation. It started looking for survivors like during the typhoon. Damn. They ended up with a t- gathering a total of 55 survivors yeah, of the 93. That's, uh-huh. that's excellent. Despite the ship itself being badly damaged, uh, and I think I have a picture. Yeah, this is the Taberer. It, it's kind of, it's all grainy footage or, or uh, photos, right? Still, you can tell it's been beaten up. It has been pretty, beaten uh, up. Pretty good. So it's limping along in the mm-hmm. Philippine Sea, but it's still picking up survivors. And... Admiral Halsey had told the uh, ship's commander, uh, Lieutenant Commander Henry Lee Plage, head back to Ulithia Toll. He didn't. He and his men stayed in the sea, and that's how they found those 55 survivors. Wow. He was insubordinate and saved a whole bunch of lives. Okay. And Halsey would later commend the crew and award Lieutenant Commander Henry Lee Plage the Legion of Merit. Despite the insubordination. Good. Yes. Because... <laughs> yes, very good. Well, you know, somebody I with know. somebody with a bigger ego would mm-hmm. have been like, I don't care that you rescued 55 guys that we were supposed to care about. Well, yeah, like on, you, uh... on the other hand, to some extent, sure. Halsey probably felt pretty guilty about what he did. Yeah. Because... Uh, 
And to to the ultimate extent, there are rules for a reason. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this time it wound up in the you know fifty five right. people, but mm-hmm. there, I'm sure there have been other times where it got fifty five people killed. Yep. Mm-hmm. So. So when all was said and done, all the damage was assessed and personnel accounted for or not. A total of 790 U.S. troops from the Third Fleet were Third Fleet were lost at sea yeah. amidst Typhoon Cobra. I'm kind of surprised that's all it was, given... Oh, right, the, the scope. It was a whole mm-hmm. fleet, yeah. The ships with the highest casualties were, of course, the ones that capsized, all of which were destroyers. The USS Hull lost 202 with 62 survivors. The USS Monaghan, I think that was the one... Was it the... No, the Monterey is what um, Ford was on. Sorry. The USS Monaghan, which lost 256 with only six survivors. And so right between there, you got two ships. That's almost 500 people. Almost all the ca- the yeah. casualties came from these three ships. Mm-hmm. And the USS Spence, which lost 317 mm. with 23 survivors. The hardest hit ship, Jeez. the Spence, had been attempting to refuel when it capsized. Now here's an example of orders being obeyed, saving lives. Admiral Halsey had ordered them to stop refueling. They continued, and the ship capsized. Mm, yeah. So 317 people died because yeah. of that. 27 other ships were damaged, some severely. A naval board of inquiry aboard the USS Cascade at the base in Ulithia Atoll was convened to investigate the disaster. For anyone old enough to remember the TV show JAG... <laughs> Yeah, I kind of remember that. I never never watched it. Same. I kind of remember when it was a thing. Right? So JAG... Judge Advocate General? Yes, that's exactly right. So the Judge Advocate General is like the the head person. Like the Navy General Attorney. Prosecutor. Something like that. Like the District Attorney for the Navy, I think. (laughs) In that vein. Yes. Well, so there was a Judge Advocate as part of this, um, uh, this proceeding, the main point of contention was that if they had just shut down the refueling operation and and got out of the way of the storm, didn't keep trying to head to all these different places, there was a good they chance. Been fine. Yeah, a lot of people would have been okay. Um, in the end, the board concluded yes, Admiral Halsey had committed a quote error of judgment end quote by like making the, the fleet inadvertently sail into the heart of the storm. But they did not sanction him, court-martial him, or take any further disciplinary action, likely due to the mitigating factors like inconsistent and incomplete forecast information. Yeah, I mean... He he just didn't take the conservative approach. Sure. But the conservative approach would have meant they couldn't necessarily get back to... To refuel. To Luzon where they needed to be to yeah. provide this cover. There was just a lot of aggravating yeah. factors. It was... I mean, it's, it's the... Definition of damned if you do, damned if you don't. Yes. It, it, you know, it all involved judgment calls and there was no yeah. good judgment call to make. No. Mm-hmm. Every outcome was going to suck. Yep. Yep. The typhoon itself was just called the typhoon of December 1944 <clears throat> until it was named Typhoon Cobra in the 50s, which I like. I like Typhoon Cobra. But Halsey got the dubious honor of the storm being nicknamed Halsey's Typhoon. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Halsey passed the reins of the Third Fleet, which then became the Fifth Fleet, like I said, they changed designations sometimes, to Admiral Raymond Sprouts in January 1945, though he did get his post back in May of 1945, just before the end of the war. In early June, the fleet sailed once again through yet another typhoon. Jesus Christ. Typhoon Connie, which was later nicknamed Typhoon Viper, probably by the same people who came up with Typhoon Cobra. And compared to Cobra, it was much less disastrous. It only killed six people. (laughs) That's way better than 750 (laughs) It is, it is. And damaging or destroying 150 aircraft aboard Third Fleet carriers. Two months before the end of the war. The Third Fleet remained active through the rest of the war, including making multiple attacks on the island of Japan itself. Even after the ceasefire at the end of the war, Halsey, so this, get this, the war is over, right? Mm -hmm. Ceasefire. Halsey ordered his fleet, quote, if any Japanese airplanes appear, shoot them down in a friendly way. (laughs) (laughs) Not sure how you achieve that. I don't either. uh... 
the official ending of World War you II. Wink at him first. Yeah. Or is that, <laughs> yes. like, is that... Give him a little uh, wave. Hello. <laughs> pip, pip, cheerio. <laughs> They're American. But still. Do the transatlantic. That's uh, it. I, I, now I can't. Oh, hello there, my friends. <laughs> <laughs> the Kalalilis are in bloom again. Really, they are. Yeah, I, I would just be focusing on needing to shoot him down. Like, yeah, ha- yeah. However it needs to happen. Friendly. Yeah. <laughs> so the official ending of World War II is the signing of the Japanese Instrument mm-hmm. of Surrender. It took place aboard Admiral Halsey's Third Fleet flagship, the USS Missouri. Wow. With Halsey himself standing behind Douglas MacArthur and other signatories of the Instrument of That's Surrender. That's crazy. Halsey was there. Wow. Was on his ship. So was the Emperor of Japan. One yeah, of the, well, yes, because he was one of the signatories. Like, the only public appearance, apparently, like, he ever made. Something like well, that. Well, I would want to keep myself pretty spare, scarce yeah. at that point, yeah. too. And that, my friends, was the story of Typhoon Cobra. That's crazy. I mean... Pretty but, wild, I mean, huh? But, I mean... This would easily happen when mm-hmm. you're talking about a naval fleet... It's uh, happened many yeah. times. I guess you kind of don't think about it, but of course it would happen. Yeah. You know, I mean, no, it absolutely you're out has. in the middle of the fucking ocean. Guess what happens in the middle of the ocean? Hurricanes, Storms. typhoons, <laughs> yep. mm-hmm. uh, rogue waves. Like That's fu- true. Poseidon you know. Adventure over here, the little thing called that. Yeah. I mean, Plus, let's see. It, it's December, and they're in the southern hemisphere, so that would be uh, hurricane would, season. I was going to say that would be their season. summer. Yep. Yes. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, no thanks. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I, I've been through hurricanes on land, and they're they're not very fun. I wouldn't want to be on a well. I mean, ship. I, and like thinking about it, it's like out of all because when I was 18, like all of the uh, branches of the of, military, even the Coast Guard, like I had an interview with them. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the one I was most attracted to was the Army. I, I guess thinking about it now, it's like. You're on land. At least you're on land. Like, you can at least run if you need to. <laughs> you know, if, like... If land is it, more predictable than air or way water. Way more predictable. <laughs> way more predictable. Like, if you're getting shelled, like, yeah. I'll just go over here. If you're getting shelled in the air, you don't really have much control of... Well, I just think know. it's the environment you have slightly more control over on land. Yes. Than in the air or the water. Yeah. It's... Yeah. I'll, I'll go with that. <laughs> I'll take that. You know, but... Yeah, I mean, because you'll see, um, like, you'll see photographs and stuff like that of, like, what a carrier, an aircraft carrier looks like out in the middle of the, they're, mm-hmm. they're out in the middle of the fucking ocean. There's they nothing, sure are. there's nothing around That's them. That's kind of the whole point it is of the an whole aircraft point. carrier, yes. that they are in the middle of nowhere. So you can attack from anywhere. Because there's not an airstrip anywhere. Yeah, so you can nearby. attack from anywhere. And the Pacific Ocean. It's just gigantic. Oh my god. Well, it's all the huge, oceans just, yes, are gigantic, course. but still. it's Some of the Great Lakes are gigantic, yeah. but it's, it is, the Pacific Ocean is the largest ocean yeah. in the world. It's huge, and for thousands of miles, there's nothing. There's nothing. Yeah, I couldn't, yeah. You were literally, it's, it's almost like being on the fucking moon or something. Yeah, you might like, as well be, yeah. right? You're just as remotely. Yeah. Well, like maybe set- not might as well, but you know, still, it's not quite being on the moon. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's true. You, you do have to wear, like, you can just wear shorts, like, in the middle of the ocean. You don't have to you, wear you a spacesuit. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> 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 on the style front, like, I'll, I'll take the middle of the ocean. But it's, they're, they're both scary. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think that's why I'm at, like, this point, I'm like, about a cruise. Yeah, I'm like, I don't, I don't know. You know, I am put off cruises, I think, forever just because of COVID. They're, like, uh, I think that just ruined cruise ships for me because I think ru- it's also a little petri ru- dishes. I think what also ruined cruise ships for me was doing this podcast and, <laughs> like, being aware of, like, all the fucking... Well, that was what ruined <laughs> flying for you. Yes, it was. <laughs> being like, oh, they really don't care. <laughs> So, if we're yeah. if, if that's the attitude we're starting with, right? <laughs> you know. Well, one of the reasons I wanted to do uh, this episode is I realized we hadn't. I I categorize our episodes by man-made or human-made versus natural disasters, sure. and it's been a while since we've covered a natural disaster. Has it really? Okay. Yeah, it has. So I was like, let me let me get a good old storm back in the mix, and let's do a typhoon. 
Yeah. And learn about the Pacific Theater in the meantime. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Again, like, you didn't want to be, you didn't want to exist during World War II. You wanted to be born and died right. before or born after. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or, you know. Well, and now remember this name. It's a good piece of trivia. Yamamoto Isoroku. Okay. The yeah. architect of Pearl Harbor. Okay. Yamamoto Isoroku. I wonder if, okay. He might have been like one of the, the, the key villain in the fantastic movie, Pearl Harbor. <laughs> <laughs> Did they show any They showed like Japanese se- the, the preparation from it, yeah. Oh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I still have never seen that film. I saw it once and it was just like, this is really bad. <laughs> this is really terrible. Well, it had Ben Affleck in it, so. Yeah. No high hopes. Uh, yeah, a very young uh, Jennifer... Um, who was married to Ben Affleck for a little bit. Garner? Yes. She was in it. Oh, okay. Yeah. She deserves so much better. Josh Hart Josh Hartnett. <laughs> the heartthrob who wasn't. <laughs> yeah, he was pretty sexy. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I found him actually very unattractive. Yeah, That's was, just myself. He was a good looking dude. I see, I didn't think so at all. He was yeah. never my cup of tea. Yeah, yeah whatever. He was mine and I'm not even into guys. <laughs> <laughs> so well <laughs> it's okay <laughs> yes. well on that note uh so that was typhoon 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 <laughs> is that tyrus phone <laughs> tyra banks it probably this is. is my typhoon typhoon that's like her third phone that's like her backup backup phone like if you right. call that like it's an emergency <laughs> this is the typhoon that that was that was, that was typhoon I almost did it again. That was Typhoon Cobra. I don't know why Typhoon is such a hard word to say. So that was Typhoon Cobra. This has been another episode of All Bad Things. I'm David. I'm Rachel. We'll see you next week. Keep your head on straight.